God is good all the time. He's good all the time. And the Lord always wants us to know what he's doing in the earth. He wants his people to have understanding of what he's doing in the earth. And yet, as the people of God, we, always, we don't always know what he's doing in the earth. And Jesus himself told the Pharisees, you can discern the signs of the times, but you, don't, you can discern this, the, the, the weather. You know when the, the rain is coming. You know when it's going to be windy. You know when uh, uh, certain things are coming in the earth, but you cannot discern the times. And he rebuked them for that. And the Lord wants us as his people to understand the days that we live in. He wants us to understand the time that we live in. And that the enemy absolutely hates your guts. He doesn't like you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And yet then on the backside of that, what he does is he blames God for the things that happen in your life. And he wants you to turn around and blame God for the things that are happening in your life. You know what I'm saying? And then he tries to give God a bad rap. He did the same thing with Eve in the garden. He deceived her by saying, God, did God really say that? Puts a little doubt in your head. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to bring life. He's all about giving you life. He's all about giving you abundance. He's all about giving you good things, bringing deliverance to your life and breaking chains off of your lives off of our minds so that we can understand the word of God. He left us his word that we would understand who he is and what he has for us and what he has for you to do in the earth because everybody has purpose. Everybody has a place. And the Lord gave me a word today that's going to challenge you because it challenged me. That's how I know. And it and when it challenges uh, us, we have to say, okay, Lord, I need to either apply it to my life or I'm going to kick it out and just pretend like I didn't hear it. You know what I'm saying? But the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts us. It cuts going in and it cuts coming out. It cuts us. And you know what it does? It divides the soul and the spirit. It divides what's of our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, what we think is right to what really truly is right according to the word of God. And it, bring, it brings a, a division to where we have to say, am I going to believe that and grab hold of that or am I going to just go my own way and pretend like I didn't hear it? We have to apply it to our lives. And sometimes because this is a sword, it cuts. Sometimes it hurts. But God always comes and brings deliverance and healing through the word and he wants to wash us through his word he wants to wash our minds we don't always know who we are and this is what the lord ministered to me he wants us to recognize the body of christ but he first wants us to recognize who we are in the body of christ who we are in him because we cannot play the part that god wants us to play without knowing who we are and a lot of people can say i'm christian in our nation, we, we claim to be a Christian nation, I hope still. But if you go and you talk to people, they see how we're a Christian nation, but are you really Christian? There's a lot of people that sit in pews in churches. Are you really Christian? Do you really know Jesus? Have you had visitation of him? And uh, we don't always know that, that those that are saved that we, we need to know. We need to know by the Spirit. Amen? What is the mark of the body of Christ? What is the mark of the true church of Jesus Christ? 
And I, as I was meditating on this, and as the Lord was giving me instruction, he gave me three scriptures that I'm going to read first, and we'll probably refer back to it. The first one is in Isaiah 43, 18 through 21. Uh, and the Lord ministered to me that we're coming into a new season. He's trying to raise up his people. He's trying to raise up his body. Because without the body raising up, we can't see a true picture of Jesus in the earth. We can't see it. And the world can't see it. They see a, 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 limited, a, a limited viewpoint. They see a limited, uh, uh, a skewed view of who Christ is when the body's not moving altogether. And he began to minister. He said he's trying to do a new thing. He's try it's really old, but it's new for us because there's a new wave of what God's doing in the earth. He's wanting to bring a move of his spirit, a harvest into the earth, but it's not going to come by one man. See, in the past, we saw people, we, we have big names of, of, of ministers that brought thousands to Christ. And we've had big ministers who've brought uh, healing movements and you, people run over there to, to, to get healed by that person and have them lay hands on them. But I want to suggest to you that this next wave that God is bringing is going to be through the body. Not one person is going to get the glory. He's going to get the glory. He wants the glory. Amen? And no man can take that glory. And so he said here, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. And what did Jesus say? He said, we will do greater works. He said in Joel 2, 28, he, he began to say that your sons and daughters will prophesy and, and you will dream, dream dreams and have visions. These are the things that God is wanting to pour out into the earth and that he started doing that way, 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 way back at the birth of the church. On, in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the church was birthed. And that mighty rushing wind came in when? When they were in one accord. They were in one, having, having one mind. This is what the Lord is wanting for the body of Christ. One mind, one purpose, one accord. And that rushing mighty wind came in, and there was a deliverance of tongues that happened, the Holy Ghost was delivered unto them, and fire came on them. And there was a visual flame on them. And I was just listening the other day to something that somebody sent me that was describing something about, uh, um, and we have a lot of witchcraft during the season that we're in, in Halloween, of somebody that was a warlock. And they, they uh, I think we were saying they got saved, but what they were saying was when they used to do curses and hexes and things on people, they could see those that had a flame on them. And they could see a little bit of a flame on some and a lot of flame on others. And they would stay away from those ones because if they tried to curse them, that would come back on them. So we don't always know what's happening in the spirit realm, but there's things happening in the spirit realm. And the enemy knows who we are, and the enemy does not like us. And his greatest plot is to keep you from knowing who you are because he's afraid that you will bring destruction to his kingdom and you will get people saved. And so shall we not know it? this new thing that God's doing. In other words, open your eyes. That's why he says, awake. If you're sleeping, wake up. 
and Christ will give you light. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Those, that, that's a miraculous thing. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, this people I have formed by, for myself. They shall declare my praise. And then he gave me Isaiah 54, and he began to minister to me about us having to open up our hearts and uh, enlarge the place of our tent. Because he wants to bring fruitfulness and increase in our hearts and even in our minds. He wants to bring souls in, but he wants to, everything he does, when we get in the word of God, when we worship him, he's bringing increase to you. When we, when we come into the presence of God and we gather as a body, he's bringing increase to you. You can't see it physically, but increase is coming to you. Ministry is being poured out unto you. And so he said, sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the child, children of the married woman, says the Lord. And this is what he ministered to me. Enlarge the place of your tent. Open up your thinking. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So what do we have to do? we got to come up higher. Right? we got to come up higher. Woo, woo, woo. we got to come up higher. Amen? we got to get with Jesus in the secret place. How do we come up higher? We come up higher by going in the word. We come up higher by speaking in tongues. When I don't know what to pray, I pray in tongues. And the Spirit of God says he is, he is building me up in my most holy faith. He's making a road ahead of me, and where there's stumbling blocks, he's removing those. And yet we know these things. We've had this preached to us many times, and yet we don't always do it. Why do we not always do it? I believe it's a crucifixion of our flesh. That we have to make choices, even more so now, as we see the day of the Lord approaching. And you know there's darkness in the earth, but has it not gotten darker? Have we not seen more manifestation of wickedness coming from people we would not even expect? So even more so, we need to encourage each other. We need to get in the secret place with the Lord so we have something to give. See, we can't just be receiving. We have to give and receive. We have, to, we have the freedom to, and the responsibility to give and to receive. It's a freedom and a responsibility as members of the body of Christ. So we have to come up higher. And he wants us to know what he's doing. He wants us to have his mind on the matters. He wants us to see. He wants us to see. He said we could have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16, he said, I'm going to read it. I want to read it. Because you know what? If I do nothing right, if I read the scripture, we're going to get cleansed, right? 
1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has pre prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? You don't know what I'm thinking right now. Uh, my spirit knows what I'm thinking right? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And who has the Spirit of God? We have the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God that knows the things that God is thinking has been freely given to us. And the Spirit searches the heart of God. So we have access to that. Amen? Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words, which man's wisdom teaches. It's not about the carnal mind. The carnal mind is enmity, the Bible says, against the spirit. It will always fight the things of the spirit. When Satan came to Eve in the garden, he appealed to her five senses. Doesn't this look good? Don't you think it will taste good? And then he said, well, don't, did really God really say that? You know, he just doesn't want you to know everything. He appealed to her five senses, her, her mind. And the carnal mind has to be crucified. But in order to crucify the carnal mind, we have to renew our mind with the word of God to know what needs to be crucified. Makes sense, Right? So it, they don't teach by man's wisdom, but the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ come up higher. Amen? Get the mind of Christ on the matter. Instead of running to the person down the way or getting on the phone and calling immediately, what do I do? We run to God. What did Paul do when he was blinded? He didn't consult with any man. He didn't consult. He waited. And then the Lord sent him to the person he needed to go talk to. He waited. And so we need to wait on the Lord, and we need to seek him and understand what he's saying, knowing full well that he will give you his mind. He will give you his mind because the scripture says he would. Amen? Okay, so who is the body? Who is the church? We are. Okay, but I want to say there's markers of the body of Christ. There's a marker that how you, you can see, you can view who is, the, who, is, who is part of the body of Christ. Number one, those who have had visitation of Jesus on a personal level. Paul had a visitation of God. Paul was on the road to Damascus. Paul was blinded in order for him to see. He was struck down in order for him to see that he was fighting Jesus. And he was killing Christians. He had a visitation. That's a marker of, who's, who, of God, uh, having, knowing God. You've had a visitation of the Lord. 
How many of you have had visitation of the Lord? Raise your hand. You know that you know that you know that you are a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he rose from the dead, and that you need him with everything that's in you. Amen? That's a marker right there. Number two, there are those whose eyes, I'm talking about in the scripture right now, those whose eyes have been opened and they saw Jesus. I want to turn to Matthew 16. We cannot serve Jesus unless we see him, and I'm not talking with our natural eyes. 16, 15. He said to them, who do you say that I am? He's talking to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now before this, they were all saying, oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others are saying that you're Jeremiah. They knew he was supernatural. And he says to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, I want to tell you, when you see the word Christ in here, Jesus goes by different names. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, Christ. And when you see the word Christ, that word means anointed. He was anointed. Okay, so Simon Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the anointed, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What rock are we talking about? That's right. We're talking about the revelation that Peter had of who Jesus was. Upon the revelation of Jesus, he's building his church. Who's building the church? He's building his church. You know what we do? We get to help. That's it. The Bible says Jesus is building his church. And he knows those who are his. Okay. Let's keep going. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded the disciples they should tell no one who he was. It wasn't time for him to be revealed. And yet, the flesh and blood didn't reveal that to them. Flesh and blood didn't reveal who Jesus was, truly was to Peter, but the Spirit of God. And those that are marked that are part of the body of Christ are those that have revelation, that understand who Jesus is, that he is the Son of the living God. He is the anointed one, the one that came and died for you, the one that came and died for me and rose again. Amen? Number three, Jesus became not just a part of their lives, but Jesus became their whole life. Disciples left everything to follow Jesus. When Zacchaeus was in the back, couldn't reach him, couldn't get to him, uh, understood that he did miracles, and had a conviction that he wanted to know him, wanted to see him, he'd made a plan. He was too short. He made a plan. I'm going I'm to I'm go all the way ahead. I know he's coming down this road. I'm going to climb this sycamore tree. I'm going to be in this tree, and I'm going to wait. And he thought he was hiding, right? And yet Jesus walks right up and goes, Hi, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. He, went, he didn't even have an invitation. Jesus just said, I'm coming to your house today. 
You know why? Because Zacchaeus had a hunger to know him and to understand who he was. Zacchaeus was hated because he was a tax collector. And when Zacchaeus had a visitation with Jesus, when he understood who he was, the son of the living God, and he received him into his life, he turned his life around. He gave, he did not take money anymore, and he gave away what he had taken. And so he was completely converted. 180 turned his life around. These are the kind of radical people that are the body of Christ. These are the kind of people that the Lord is seeking after. And I want to tell you, when I talk about the body of Christ, you know, in the world, man has decided, I think I like this here, and I think I like that there in the word of God, and I think, I don't know about those tongues, I think I don't like that, so I think I'm going to belong to this club, and we put a, a denominational label on top of that. And if I don't like, or if I just, I kind of agree with this and kind of don't agree with that, then I'm of this group, and I'm of that denomination. And what is happening? We have divisions. The church of Jesus is not divided. The church of Jesus goes through boundaries that man sets. Man always wants to set boundaries. In churches, he wants to set boundaries, and they're not always bad. But when I go, when I was single and I went into a church, and I'm not kidding you, some of it was almost humorous. Oh, you're single? Oh, you go over here into this group. And you're a couple, you go over here into that group. And you guys are older, let's put you in the quilting group. You know what I'm saying? The Lord took all those walls away. Amen? And he made, a, he made one family. He tore those walls down. Okay, the mystery of oneness. Jesus, you know, when Jesus says a final prayer, we should probably pay attention to that. And in John chapter 17, his final prayer, there's a piece of that I just want to read in John 17, 20 through 23. He prayed that we would be one. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but I pray for those who believe in me through their word. In other words, I don't just pray for these disciples here that I've had under my wing. I'm praying for those who will hear their word and become saved. And we're all, he's praying for us all and all those that have not yet been saved. You see, salvation has been given and poured out into the earth through the death of Jesus. Salvation belongs to the world. Salvation is sitting at the door of every person in this earth. They just don't know it. They are blinded by the enemy. He is the master blind man. He puts a, uh, a he's, the Bible says he veils them that believe, don't believe. So they'll never be able to see. What did Satan do in, when he was an angel? He was a cherub angel. The Bible says he was a cherub angel that covereth. He was in the holy place like this. He was in this. He had access to the stones of fire. He walked amongst the stones of fire, and he covereth. And you know what? When he fell, you know what he's doing now? He's covering. He's standing behind them that don't believe, and he's covering their eyes, so they cannot see who Jesus is. And so when we pray for the lost, we're pulling that back so light can come in, 
so they can see, oh my gosh, look at the goodness of the Lord. It's the goodness of the Lord that causes men to repent. The goodness that they see who he is in comparison to their sin, and they fall down. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and they cry out to him. That's what causes men to repent. And so he's praying here, and he wants us to be one. He says that they may be one, he's telling his father, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be one in us. Think about that. That, that will blow your mind right there. I see your minds are blown. Think of that. Let's just think of that for a minute. Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, Father, you are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be one in us. He's inviting us to be one in the Godhead. That's heavy duty right there. We are one with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is. That why? That the world may believe that you sent me. So it's the mystery of oneness. I want to go to Ephesians 5, 21 through 32. And I do have a lot of scriptures, so we're just going to speed on through. If you want to write it down, you can look it up later. Okay, I'm going to read the last verse first. Verse 32. Uh, uh, Ephesians 15, 32, and then I'm going to go back to the top. He says, this is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. So, this is a mystery of oneness, and I want to go back up now to verse 21. Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the whole body. Okay, this is not just about wives submitting to their husbands and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Okay, but he's making a comparison here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Does, does that mean the husband's better than the wife? It, it just means that the husband has a position in the family unit. He's anointed for. It's a grace upon him. So the husband is the head of the wife, how? As also Christ is the head of the church. What's the word that was used? Christ. As also the anointed is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for the church. Oh my gosh, think about that. That's a heavy, heavy, heavy statement. I would not want to be a man. I would not. I would rather just respect my husband. Come under that. Okay, moving on. Okay, so number 26, or verse 26, and that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. How do we wash, uh, uh, how do we get clean? By the washing of the water of the word. A little bit of a hint for men. Your wives like to hear nice words that cleanse you. Not mean words, good words, encouraging words. It's a big deal to women. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. 
but she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands uh, ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one. This is a great mystery. How do two people become one? It's a mystery. Jesus prayed, Father, that they would be one with us as I am in you and you are in me, that they would be one with us. This is a great mystery. But yet, I can go across the globe and I can meet up with somebody who says, I am saved and I can have communion with them and know them by the Spirit. They are part of my family. They are one with me. They are part of my family. And then I can go over, go next door, and they can say I'm Christian, but they never talk anything about God. And everything they talk about has to do with the world and what they're doing in their lives. And yet there's no communion. There's no connection. There's no oneness. That oneness is a mystery. That's the body of Christ. Amen? Okay, so... Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 31, we're going to go there, but I want to say, say something first. I want to say that we have to recognize the head, and we have to recognize the body. We have to recognize our need for Jesus, which I think we do, okay? And that goes this way. But we also have to recognize our need for the body, and that goes this way. And when, it, when I do this movement, I'm creating a cross. In order to be able to live in this way, we have to be take this cross up. We have to take up our cross every day. Amen? And Jesus himself was our example, and he tells us to pick up our cross and follow him. And our relationship this way, we understand, we begin to understand who we are because most of the body of Christ, they don't even have a clue who they are. They don't understand the power that's on the inside of them. They don't understand that they, they can cast out devils. They don't have to be afraid of devils. Jesus gave us authority over those devils. We have the tools to set the captive free. But we have to understand who we are, and we have to understand that we have a responsibility to the rest of the body of Christ to deliver what God has placed in us. Did you know that God speaks to us and gives us direction through our gifts? And if we don't know what our gifts are, we're not going to be able to know some of the things God is saying. Let me give you an example. Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph got direction and understanding through his dream. An evangelist, and even Philip, was directed through his evangelistic gift on who was ready to be saved. A prophet, God will speak to them through their gifting. And he will begin to share things with them through their gifting. And so our giftings are important for us to know what they are. What has God put inside of you? What is it that the, that's, that's your, uh, your grace that he's put on your life? The grace on my life is I have a gift to teach. I know that. I know what it's for. It's for the equipping of the saints. I know the Lord has put that on the inside of me. And so when I sit down to read... He begins to speak to me and give me direction through his word. I just look at it, and I start reading it, and revelation starts coming to me. 
And I used to think, well, I used to get irritated with people because I would think, why don't you know what that says? It, read it. It's right there. I, I used to think, how, how annoying. Just go read it. I can sit here and read it. Why can't you just understand? And then one day I realized, oh, oh, it's a gift. I can't take credit for it. Me taking credit for that is, is, is the same as, as if we took credit because we were born beautiful. You can't take credit if you're born pretty. You did nothing to deserve that. You just got it. It's, a, it's just part of your life. A grace is something from God that we cannot take credit for. Not only can we not take credit for it, but it doesn't belong to us. This gift belongs to you guys. And I have to pour it out or I will be in trouble with the Lord. Amen? And so we need to come to a place where we understand who we are in him. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead resides on the inside of you. When Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going to go away, they didn't want him to leave. I have to go away or can't leave the Holy Spirit. But when two or more of you are gathered in my name, I'm going to be right there with you. So what they do? They ran to gather. Let's go gather in his name so Jesus will come. We want to see Jesus. We want to see him. We want to know who he is. We want to see him again. And so where two or more are gathered in his name, that's the church. He's in their midst. What kind of power do we have in this room? If the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is in here in each of us, what kind of power is here, you guys? That's a wow. Okay, the mystery of oneness. So we must recognize the head. The head is the anointing. Christ is the head. Recognize the body. And he, he gave me this is really weird. He gave me the same because, okay, how many of you seen the movie Avatar? Raise your hand. Not very many. Weirdest movie, okay? Very strange movie. But watching that movie, God can talk to you almost in anything. And, and in that movie, there's a saying that he, they would say, I see you. They would go like this. I'm sorry, Joe, I'm picking on you. And they would say, I see you. And that really ministered to me. Because we don't always see each other. And I thought, I'm going to look that up. And you know what it means in the movie? Uh, well, what it means in uh, definition is when I see you means you bring me into existence. Wow. And how much do we not see each other? Oh, hi, so-and-so. Oh, hi, hug, hug. But do you see the person next to you? Do you see them? Because when you see them, you bring them into existence, into your life. And then it said, in the movie it meant, I see the love and your feelings and your soul, and you mean everything to me. You mean everything to me. I see you. And that's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to see each other. Not just to see, but to realize that I am so dependent on the rest of the body of Christ, I cannot make it by myself. I need to know what God is saying in you and in you and in you and you and you and you. And you need to know what God is saying in me. Because if you don't, you do not have a full picture of Jesus. You have a piece. The full picture comes by seeing and having the whole body of Christ moving and, and, and giving supply to all those joints. 
you begin to see a full picture of Jesus. But I have to let you know uh, that I have need of you. I have need of you. I cannot make it without you. I cannot see all of Jesus without you. One of the things that was so, such a blessing in my life was Bob Curry, who is now gone. Uh, people know who Reverend Bob Curry is. But one of the things he would do, he's a very humble man. He's been everywhere in the, almost every country on the globe. And yet he would sit with you for hours. It wouldn't even matter how long. If he had to be there till 2, he would sit with you till 2 in the morning. But one of the things he would do is he would be with people he'd be ministering to. And if somebody wasn't saved, he would, he would minister salvation. And he would, te- he would tell them about Jesus, and they would get saved. And then he would say with a gleeful smile, do you want all of Jesus? And, of course, they're going to say yes. And he'd say, okay. And then he began to teach about the Holy Spirit, and then they would receive the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. He didn't, he didn't separate those things. He Right in. And then he would look at this brand new believer and he would say, let's pray in tongues. Let's all pray in tongues. We'll pray in tongues. And then he would look at this brand new believer and he'd say, what is Jesus telling you? And he wasn't just saying that for them. He was saying that because he knew he had need of what Jesus was telling that person. He wanted to know, what is Jesus saying to you? I want to know everything he's saying. I want to know everything because it made him smile. It made him happy. He was hungry. And we have to recognize where is Jesus moving? Where, where, what is he saying? And begin to press on the Jesus in each other. And begin to press that Jesus out because he's there. I want to encourage you to release the Jesus, release the anointing that's on the inside of you, the Christ, the anointed one. And even in, a, in, a, in a, a, a situation like we are now, the Lord can be speaking to multiple people at one time. And there may be giftings moving, and we don't recognize always, always that they're moving because we have a mental idea of how church is supposed to be. And this has been passed down. This, this way that we do church has been passed down. It's not all bad. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's been passed down. If two or more are gathered in his midst, he is in his name, he is there in their midst. Jesus is in this place. But Jesus is in all of us. And he said, one has a psalm, one has a hymn, one has a spiritual song, all to be done to edify the body. And I'm, I'm going to skip ahead because I know I'm running out of time. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead to something here I want to read. Now, there's circles of, uh, this is where I want to challenge everybody because this is where I'm challenged, been challenged. We have circles that we are, we dwell in. We have our little circle, where we, our helicopter circle that we're in, our friends that we hang out with, or our family members that we hang out with, whatever it is. We have people that we're comfortable with, and that's how God made it. And he says, if, in, I'm going to just give you the scripture reference in um, uh, Corinthians 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 31, he talks about the body of Christ. And he talks about how he set them in the body. One, you know, he, And he gives you a picture of a person. And he gives you a picture of one's, if the, eye, if the eye cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. He even says the head cannot say, I have no need of you. And who's the head? Jesus is the head. Jesus cannot say, I have no need of you. He, you are the, his hands and feet in the earth. 
He has need of us. Okay, so if I'm a hand, if I'm a part of the hand, and, and, the, and a lot of times the fivefold ministry is said to be a hand, like even when, when Elijah said, go, go and run, there's a, there's a rain coming. And he said, there's this, the, the cloud that's the size of a man's hand. And they, they, uh, the people have preached about how the hand is the, the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and, and uh, teachers, okay? So let's say I'm part of the hand. Here I am, the hand. I want to tell you something. This hand serves my entire body. This hand is the servant of all. And yet we exalt certain people and certain things. And, and in uh, some of the denominations I have been in, if you have a gift, if you have an anointing, or you're good at singing, they exalt you, they put you up there, and that person is in jeopardy of falling. And when Jesus looks, he doesn't even, he sees us through the blood of Jesus. He sees us the same. He sees us through his blood with all the abilities, all of the, the, the grace and goodness that Jesus uh, has obtained. He sees that in us. And so he's calling that forth out of us. But if I'm a part of the hand and somebody else is part of the foot, I can't just hang out with my hand friends. Even though this is where I'm at, they're going to be my close friends because here I am with the hand. If I just hang out with my hand friends and I don't pay attention to my feet and my feet are just hanging out with the feet friends and going about their day, what's going to happen? First of all, I have to recognize as a hand my feet are what taking me places. My feet are taking me places. And if I don't pay attention to my feet, which maybe is the least you would say, if I don't pay attention to my feet and I won't be able to get around, then I may, if my feet get cut off, I'm in a wheelchair and my hands are doing double work to get me around. That's how much my hands need my feet. I cannot just hang out with my feet, friends. I want to show you what Jesus said about his family. In Matthew 12, 46 through 50, he said, it says, While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. And then one said to him, Look, your mom, your brothers are out there standing. They're seeking to speak with you. And Jesus said, he answered, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples. And he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, this is my mother, brother, sister, because we're one. So I can't just hang out with my hand friends. I got to break out and hang out with my feet friends or my eye. And we are so interconnected and so dependent on one another. Let me just explain it this way to give you another picture. My eye looks out and sees, oh my gosh, there's, there's a ditch. Oh my gosh, there's a stumbling block coming. Feet, you need to be aware. Turn, turn, feet, turn. Well, my feet are just having a good old time, walking in the mud and the guck and all that, that all they hear is wah, 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 and yet the eye is telling the head, is telling the mouth to yell at the feet to stop. And the feet aren't stopping because the feet decided to have a party in the mud. And the hand decided not to pay attention to the feet. So the feet are having a party in the mud. And they're just walking along. And the eye's like this, oh, my 
my God. The mouth is screaming, don't stop. No, you better stop. And what ha- what's going to happen? The feet are going to go in the ditch, right? But what? Am- it's not just the feet going in the ditch. That whole body's going in the ditch. That's how dependent we are on one another. And so we have to pay attention even to the less comely parts, which I don't even like that. But Jesus doesn't want schism in the body. He doesn't want division. He doesn't want to have people, this is, these are the popular people, and these are the not, and these are the this, and these are the that. You get clicks that way. He wants us, this is where I'm challenging you, to break out of your little comfort zones. And I'm challenging me to break out of my comfort zone and to begin to look and to begin to say, I see you. Oh my gosh, I see you. I don't just see you. You have brown hair and blue eyes. I see you. I see the Jesus in you. I want to encourage you to press into that because I have need of whatever that is, that gift in you. We have treasures. There's treasures, hidden treasures in us. This whole room is full of treasures. Some of them are buried. Others are half open and others are out for all to see. As we get to know Jesus, as we spend time with him, we begin to know what those treasures are in us. Then, as we begin to look at the body of Christ and begin to say, oh, what do you have? Here's what I have. We get to know the rest of the members because we are one. You cannot separate the body. I am fully 100% dependent on the body of Christ, and you are fully 100% dependent on me as a member of the body of Christ. You cannot separate it. Okay. Can I read one more thing? Because this is the part that I really liked. Maybe it's just me that likes it, but I want to read it. Ezekiel and the dry bones. And we read that. I mean, we sang that. Another visual of the body of Christ, right? The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to, uh, uh, it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were many bones in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. They weren't just bones. These bones have been sitting there for a long time. They were dry, 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 dry. This is what God's telling me. Enlarge the place of your tent. Come up higher and understand what I'm saying. Come up higher and hear what the word of the Lord is saying. Dry bones. The spirit of God wants to move through the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you, the body's not separated. It's never been separated, the true body of Christ. But it's dry. And it's dry because the body is not moving. There's dry bones. Because we're not looking to each other to pull out the Jesus in each other. We're not looking for the wind in each other. And we need to look for the wind in each other. Then he caused me to pass by them around, and behold, they were very many in the open valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, great answer, because if I'm looking at dry bones, and they're very dry, he's like, okay, well, this is God talking to me. Okay, Lord, you know. Can they live? You know. That's what he said, you know. Prophesy to these bones and, and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I love that. 
And now Ezekiel was obedient to prophesy to these dry, dead bones. And he said to the bones, dry, dead bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, you dry, dead bones. And say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, surely I will cause breath to enter you. This is a picture of what he's going to do, and then he begins to do it. Hear the word of the Lord. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And the Lord is doing this now. There is a noise in the Spirit. The Lord is making a noise. He is shaking, and he says in Hebrews, he's going to shake the earth. He's going to come again, and he's shaking right now so that those things that cannot be shaken will be gone. Well, only that which cannot be shaken will be left in his body. Amen? So there was a noise, like a suddenly, like Acts 2. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So here we have a shaking. We have these bones coming together. We have this a figure standing up. Uh, all of the sinew, we have, number one, the bones were stirred, the assembly of the bones, the sinews and the flesh came on the bones, the skin upon the tissue upon the bones, and then they were waiting. What were they waiting for? God's breath. And we are waiting for that breath. Indeed, as I looked, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. The Lord is raising up an exceedingly great army, and all of us are a part of that exceedingly great army. But the breath comes when you get in, in that secret place. The breath comes when you get by yourself and you get filled with God. And then you come out and you are that joint that supplies and you breathe into the body of Christ. That's when the body of Christ begins to live and walk in the earth. Amen? And it becomes a great, great army. So the whole body moves and the spirit comes alive. Every joint supplying, we must know him. We must and who we are in the secret place. So we have the life that ignites our part of the body. Go get the wind of the Spirit. Go get it. It's our responsibility to the body. We must go to the mountain of the Lord. If we do not know who we are, we cannot be that joint that supplies.